everyone, welcome to Mecca Talks, your access all areas pass to the beauty, business and lifestyle experts we call our community. I'm Kate Blythe, Chief Marketing Officer here at Mecca. And I'm Zara Wong, Head of Content. In today's episode, Mecca Talks Sun Protection and SPF with Naked Sunday's founder Sam Brett and dermatologist Dr. Shreya Andrick. How are you? Delighted to see you. It's been a bit of a crazy time, but we've had the Christmas break, a holiday, and now we're back. And we're back for season two, which is super exciting. I know, finally. Feels like a long time coming. And this is the first or second Australian summer you've done, Kate. It is indeed. And you guys were in Sydney, right? Yes. For the break. We were here in Melbourne, which was actually a much better holiday period than last year, which I seem to think the weather was a bit on and off. And compared to Europe and living in the UK, what's the sun like? Totally different. So I feel like in Europe, like I would go, I could sit on a beach from 10 in the morning to 10 at night um, and be like hot but not like baked but when you say you sit in the on the beach are you saying undercover with sunscreen oh, you have like a, an umbrella and a parasol thing or whatever but an in and out for water but you would be you could be out in the sunshine you'd go and have your lunch undercover but then you'd be out in the sunshine my kids are in the water and in the sunshine the whole time and that can be in the beach in south france or in italy or in the Balearic islands Whereas here, it's like, oh my God, I'm like, like this, it's really different. It's like a burning deep heat. <laughs> it is hot. <laughs> it's just a really different type of heat. I think kind of European heat you can handle. When it's really hot here, you have to really sit out of it. Like you can't, I mean, I found that quite different. And the kids, the kids are always in the water. So they are like water babies. So they're either on paddle boards or just like playing in the playing in the sand sand castles etc but they've got like full kind of covering and so much sun cream on hats whereas in the UK well not in the UK because there's not really much sun there but if you were in Europe in the summer they would just be in their swimming shorts or their their swimsuits with sun cream on and they'd be fine and then when you were growing up what were your SPF habits like do you wear sunscreen all the time or were you just do you pick it up more recently? Okay, I'm going to get myself into trouble here, but let's go for it. Um, so I think growing up, it was all about getting a tan. So because... Hate. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what a kind of tan? tan. natural tan, natural okay. tan. So because in, in the UK, you don't actually get masses of sunshine and the summers are not... Well, do you know what? They've got better over the years, which is obviously global warming's issue. Um, but you'd have like a few weeks of decent weather. So, you'd, you know, you'd if you saw sun, you'd be like, I'm going out in the sunshine no matter what. Um, so growing up, it was all about getting a tan, a real tan. Um, and, um, I suppose then as we got older, we all got into fake tanning quite a lot, but they were bad fake tans. They were, they were not good fake tans. Fake tanning has come a long way. It's come a long way. Yeah. And so I think what's interesting is when I arrived here, everybody I met who's sort of similar age to me were like, oh my God, I could so tell that you grew up in the UK I'm like oh right why is it rude um, <laughs> is it my accent and they'd say it was because my skin doesn't have the same kind of doesn't look like it's been through kind of really strong sunshine a lot but it, I would be out in the sun like I'm I'm quite a sun lover but I think it's different and I think maybe you know we just don't have it all year round or and you're used to kind of we we all are sort of vitamin D deficient in, from Europe, so I feel like COVID probably didn't. The lockdown didn't help. 
well, I think in Australia, I'm in that generation where we grew up with this big national campaign, yeah. slip, slop, slap. So, every, and you know, we're close to the hole in the ozone layer. So literally when you're like out, when you're like three or four years old, you just know to wear sunscreen yeah. all the time. So Jack so. is a really, he's my three-year-old and he is um, so trained into it here. So he won't go out. He knows he can't go outside without a hat on. Um, whereas I don't think I really had hats for the kids in the UK. Um, hats are uh, like compulsory at school here. Yes, yeah, so he's got like a floppy big hat. floppy Aussie hat yep. that some like Aussie kid gave him. And he just goes around wearing that the whole time. And he's always got a rashi on and he's always got sun cream on. He knows, whereas the others would just still now, I have to be like, guys, you've got to put sun cream on. You can't just go out straight into the sun and then come back an hour later and me put it on. You need to have it on before you go out. So that's been quite, um, it's quite interesting to see the difference. Yeah. I think, you know, growing up, you get told you have to do it because of prevention and just, you know, sound damage and melanoma. But as getting older and it definitely working at Mecca, when they say it helps prevent the appearance of aging, I'm like, right, I'm super interested. Yeah. And um, I suppose that's the thing that you kind of, I think growing up in the UK, you, you just, you're not out in blazing sunshine a lot unless you go away for it for two weeks, you know, for a holiday. Even if I don't go out, like if I'm working from home, I'm going to the office, I still wear sunscreen every single day because it's that's that little bit, you know. Where though? Like on your whole body? On my face. On my face and sort of shoulders and anywhere that's showing because there's, the sun is so strong here, as you know. I know, but I'm like a quite busy person. So you've got four children and you've got to get to work and you've got all these other things going on. I'm like, go as fast as you can. I think in Australia, you just get le- taught to put on okay, sunscreen that's every the single priority, day. That's but priority. also, that's why we're here to talk about Naked Sundays because you can apply it so easily and it doesn't get onto your clothes and it's really great when you're in a rush. I see, I love that brand. And what I love about it is that sometimes you... D- do you know what? You you want to go out to see some friends with your ma- nice makeup on. And the reapplication. The reapplication. You can just use that lovely spray straight over your makeup and then you're kind of good to go. So actually that for me is like a bit of a game changer rather than thinking I need to take all my foundation off, put some sun creams because I'm just not in the groove quite in the same way as you guys yeah. probably are. It is hard. And even when you put on sunscreen in the morning, you have to put it on throughout the day. If you're outside, if you're swimming, if you're sweating, you have to reapply. And honestly, it is hard sometimes. I do forget. But I think Naked Sundays and their spray just makes it so much easier. And at Mecca, we've got so many great sunscreen brands. We've got the Mecca Cosmetica one. That's which my, that yeah, I love. It's so good. Yeah. And I've got masses of that stuff. The kids are just like covered in it all the time. And it's good because it doesn't really show yeah. the chemical one. And it's also great as a primer and it's super hydrating as well. So you can put a makeup on afterwards. I actually put makeup on straight after that one and it's been fine. So which one do you use? Because there's a few different formulations of the super makeup. screen. What I would like though with the um, the Mecca super screen, because we're such a large family and we go through sunscreen like, I don't know, water, is like I want a massive kind of, and I was asking the team for it, like a massive pump action one. Well, we know the right people, so yeah. we can probably work on that for you. <laughs> I know, maybe just for me, but it's a bit selfish, but I think it would be very helpful. And who else are we talking to today, Zara? We're talking to Dr. Shreya Andrick. And she's a city dermatologist, so she knows everything there is to know about skin, can really get into the nitty-gritty bits of the science of it, which I'm really excited about. And on that note, let's bring in dermatologist Dr. Shreya Andrik to really get into SPF. So Shreya, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. We're so excited to have you. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became a dermatologist? Yeah, so um, 
look, I, I was born in Sydney, but I moved to Hobart for high school and um, then decided to stay on there for university. So I did all of my medical school in Hobart and um, it was very hard to get any access to dermatology teaching in Hobart. So um, there were only a couple of dermos there at the time and obviously they were very busy, so no chance of sitting in with them, getting any experience. So I knew that I needed to move back to Sydney and was very happy to do so. So I dragged my now husband back to Sydney and um, I did my internship um, and residency here and then I was very lucky to get onto, um, I got a dermatology uh, research fellow job at Royal North Shore Hospital. So um, I did two years working there and got some great experience. I ran clinical trials, we did some of our own studies and then I also sat in in clinics and that really cemented the fact that dermatology was what I wanted to do with my life. Um, as you go through medical training, you're constantly, you know, well, I was anyway, always looking at the type of people who work in each specialty and the dermatologists were the happiest and they had the best work-life balance. <laughs> that's so and, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's what I want. So, um, so then I managed to get onto the um, dermatology training program, which is um, four years. So um, I did my dermatology training. I had a baby halfway through and um, then was pregnant with my second as I was doing my final exams and somehow managed to get through. Um, well and done. Thank you. Um, and then I started working um, at the practice that I'm working at now, um, which is um, quite a large dermatology practice uh, on the North Shore of Sydney. And I've recently become um, one of the practice owners. So, um, Congratulations. That's me. Yeah, you've, you've been yeah. busy. Yeah. My goodness. What drew you into dermatology? Obviously, the work-life balance and all yep. of the things you're talking about. But yep. you obviously had a sort of medical curiosity, presumably, about um, the derms skin. and skin and, yes. and skin health. Yep. And um, I presume, I mean, I'm making yeah, an assumption look, No, there. look, I've always, been, I've always been interested in beauty and fashion and skincare. And, um, and I was encouraged to do medicine by my parents. My dad was mm -hmm. a heart surgeon. So, um, wow. so, and he... In the family. Yes. But he actually said to me, um, he was like, don't be a surgeon. You won't see your kids grow up. Be a dermatologist. And okay. he said, you know, <laughs> your patients will never die. They'll keep coming back to you um, and you'll be able to have a family. And, you know, as much as I wanted to resist what my parents were telling me yeah. to do, um, he was right. And so, and you love it. yeah, and I love it. I love that it is medical, it's surgical. I um, get to play with lasers. I see babies. I see old people. No two days are ever the same. So it's mm. just, um, yeah. Tell us a bit about that then. So with your, with your role as a dermatologist, what are the sort of more interesting kind of skin issues you deal with? Because we're, we're talking a lot about SPF, obviously, yes, in, yeah. the, in the heat of summer yep. and the, the need for protection and everything. But what are, the, what are the things about skin that fascinate you the most? So, look, I do um, a big chunk of my work is skin cancer work. So I do a lot of skin checks, um, always, you know, you know, checking people out top to toe, educating them on sun protection. And there's so much um, miseducation 
misinformation, mm-hmm. you know, um, out there. So um, I do kind of see it as it's part of my role to be able to educate people, um, advise on what they should be doing, how often they should be having skin checks done, what to look out for. And um, so, uh, yeah, so I do, I enjoy that side of my work. And then um, also helping people, you know, um, it, with in terms of laser work and things like that, um, a lot of the things that we're treating are secondary to sun damage. So broken blood vessels on the face, mm-hmm. sunspots, um, you know, just poor texture of the skin. And um, so to be able to work with people to um, improve their appearance, that has, you know, has such an impact on how people feel about themselves. And being able to show people kind of their own before and after photos, often they forget mm. what they looked like before. And so it's really, it's so rewarding to be able to say, look, this is how it was before and this is how it is now. Same thing with treating acne as well. It's such a transformative, um, mm. you know, to be able to help someone, a teenager, treat their cystic acne and say, look at yeah. how it was like six months ago and look at how you are now. So it's, yeah, it's not even. I mean, it's the physical part of it as well, but really helps people's mentally, confidence totally. and how they feel. Yep, absolutely. And it's interesting that you talked about misinformation about sun care, sun protection, and I feel like I mean I could be wrong, but with the internet and with a lot, well, you know, I grew up with the slip, slop, slap generation with that national ad campaign that people are so much more educated about it yes. than ever before. But do you feel like at the same time, because there is so much information out there, there's a lot of information that's, as you said, incorrect and it's more prevalent with the internet? Yeah, look, it's, you know, some in some ways it's great to be able to have access to all of that information, but then in some ways it can be detrimental as well in terms of um, people will see something and they'll take it at face value, you know, they'll just say, oh, yes, this person said that. So, and they look how many followers they've got. That must be true. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas those people who are spreading those kinds of messages, which, you know, they, they may be spreading the wrong types of messages. Um, they, you've heard of, I guess with COVID, there's been this whole, everyone has heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect. So where people who um, don't actually know what they're talking about think they know what they're talking about um, (laughs) it's been quite a lot of that (laughs) yes so there's been a lot of that with COVID and you see a lot of it um on Instagram and things like that as well so um I think it's just there are some really great um accounts on Instagram where um which I think we should be following um people like you know Michelle Wong from Lab Muffin Beauty Science um, lots of great derms. Shireen Idris is another really great one. Um, so those types of, you know, like the right people <laughs> we should be listening to. <laughs> but maybe just, um, you know, keeping in the backs of your minds that maybe not everyone necessarily knows what they think they do. Yeah. Are there any sun care myths that you'd like to debunk? Or that really, you know, oh. off the top of your head? Uh, <laughs> so many, so many. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I get, I you know, um, patients will often come in saying, I'll say, I ask everyone, do you wear sunscreen every day? So firstly, people say, often say, no, I don't wear sunscreen every day. I'm, I don't see the sun. I say, oh, okay, so did you put sunscreen on this morning? How did you get here? And they go, oh, oh, yeah, like I was outside, but, you know, it's cloudy outside. Well, actually, 
No, the you know UV rays can penetrate through clouds. It can penetrate through window glass. So even when you're driving, you get that um, sun exposure. Um, and so you know people just kind of I guess they don't think that it's necessary, but it's all of that cumulative damage, um, which is what I end up seeing in patients who mm -hmm. come to me in their 40s, 50s, 60s, beyond. Um, so I guess that's a big one. That's a big um, one. Yeah. Uh, and, and you actually mentioned earlier as well about, um, you know, those signs that you see when people do come and see you. What kind of signs? What kind of things that should people, A, be like, you know, making sure they're wearing that sunscreen so they don't have those effects? But what are those things? What are the red flags they should look out for? Look, I guess, um, you know, some people are more likely to have more moles, for example. So um, in a person who does have lots of moles, that does put them at increased risk of um, skin cancers and melanoma in general. Um, and so just keeping an eye out for are those moles changing at all. At mm -hmm. all, We talk about the A, B, C, D, E's of changing moles. So A is asymmetry, B is an irregular border, C is multiple colours within the lesion, D is diameter, so anything bigger than six millimetres is something that should be monitored, and E is evolution or change over time. So... Um, to be honest, when a patient comes into me and they say, I think this has changed, I generally will just biopsy it because patients, yeah. like people do tend to know their own skin. And, um, and so many times people have said that and it has turned out to be a melanoma, even though I might look at it and say, oh, it looks okay under my dermatoscope. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's, I hadn't seen that spot yeah. before and they've noticed it's changed. So therefore automatic biopsy pretty much did you yeah did you see that news story i think in canada or the or north somewhere in the u.s north america where a medical student was sitting watching a yes, hockey game? yes uh, yes did you hear this i yeah. saw that and, and then and then somebody was on the screen and they it thought was, that, yeah, that doesn't look right standing yeah. behind sitting behind the coach or the assistant coach and wrote a note on her phone and put it up to the window and yeah. said that mark on your neck looks like you maybe should get it looked at. Yes. And you did, and it actually they were like, oh, wow. if you didn't come, you you know, this you wouldn't be here in two or three years. Like it was pretty. Yeah. yeah and he, like she saved his life. I know. It's amazing. Such a great story. Yeah, that's <laughs> such a great story. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why it was probably on the news. Yes. Because <laughs> you're doing that every day, yeah. ultimately, aren't you? Yeah, Just not, you don't like, have the cameras there yeah. filming you. <laughs> And what other than the sort of the scarier side of things and the melanomas, like in terms of, um, you know, obviously I, I was saying earlier to Zara that I've I've only lived in Australia for a year and obviously have spent my whole life in 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 England where the, the sun is definitely not out as much and this, it's definitely not as strong. And um, coming over here, it's quite a different feeling in terms of like skin safety. Mm. And it's, you know, my kids no my three-year-old especially knows not to go outside but that's happening on his cream on yes. and blah, blah, blah. whereas in the UK probably are much more relaxed because we just don't have so much of a um, obviously we have an issue with skin cancers but much less of a problem because we just don't have the same strength of sun there yeah um and with that um you know I suppose that you know, I don't know as much, and you're the expert here, on just some of the effects of aging from the sun as well. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yep. So 
definitely in Australia, we've got the highest level of levels of skin cancer in the world. Um, and that is because the UV rays are stronger here. Uh, we predominantly live along coastlines. And so we're, you know, just, we live more of an outdoor lifestyle and people are generally out and about. And, um, and the sun's rays are pretty much high enough to need sunscreen year round. So essentially, it, you, when the UV index is above three, um, you're advised to wear sunscreen. And in Australia, that's essentially year round. So in okay. Tasmania, it might get down to two, um, you yeah. know, in winter. Um, but, you know, northern Australia, it's going to be up around nine, even in winter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, nine. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, and then, and so, yes, like we've said, it um, causes... Um, skin cancers, but then um, a large percentage of it does contribute to skin aging. So mm -hmm. um, 95% of the UV rays that get to the skin are UVA and the other 5% is UVB. So um, UVA, so a way to remember it, UVA aging, UVB burning. So mm -hmm. um, UVA has a longer wavelength, so it can get down deeper into the skin. And um, in terms of changes that we see, so changes to the skin texture, broken capillaries, um, you know, keratosis, so little scaly growths that we get on the skin, um, sign of, um, you know, lots of sun exposure over the years, wrinkles, um, mm -hmm. all of those things, you know, all of those things um, are often caused by sun exposure. So. And often a lot of people think, if I didn't burn, it's fine. And that's not true, right? No, no. So even tanning, tanning is a sign of, um, it's the skin's response to sun exposure and it's not a necessarily a good one. Um, it's the melanin cells in the top layers of the skin are stimulated to um, become more active and um, that's kind of like a, they're not happy response. <laughs> <laughs> the sort of angry response. The angry response. Yes. Yeah. So. Okay, that's um, so interesting. I never realised that. Yes. Um, <laughs> how, how are you feeling about your tanny now, Kate? Um, <laughs> need to go and buy some Big fake tan quite quickly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so even. I think. Um, how do you balance the like? Um, you know, obviously we, especially in um, Europe, there's a lot of vitamin D deficiency. So you know. I would see a doctor over there who'd be like, you need to go and sit out in the sunshine. You need to have sunshine because your vitamin D is really low. Yeah. How do you balance that? Because it's not just about taking supplements, right? No. Yeah. So I, I personally do take a vitamin D supplement because I'd rather take a supplement than expose myself to the sun. Um, but you, your body actually maxes out after a certain amount of time. So it's only a few minutes of sun exposure that you need. Um, and that can be anywhere on the body. It can be arms, legs, hands, you know. Um, and so you don't need to have that much sun exposure to get your daily vitamin D requirements. So um, that's something just to keep in mind that I think that's, yeah, that's so interesting because I know a lot of people, not looking at, not, not naming any names, <laughs> but people, people who, you know, friends who might be like, oh, I need to go outside for the vitamin D. I need to go outside for half a day, light layer My doctor sunscreen. used to tell me, to say, would say, you're really, your vitamin D is really low. Go make sure you sit in the sunshine for like 45 minutes a day, direct sunshine. And on the UVA, you said the aging part of it. And I know a lot of my friends for sure definitely got more interested in sunscreen where they heard that it prevents the signs of aging. 
So ultimately, it's just blocking the um, it's just blocking that UV light from penetrating the skin. And so, as long as that UV light can't get through, it can't cause that DNA damage, and um, will therefore, you know, those things that we discussed, they won't be able to form. So. And we have uh, we have chemical sunscreens and physical sunscreens. Yes. So yes. can you tell us a bit how they work and how does someone pick what's right for them? Yeah. So uh, your physical sunscreens are your things like titanium dioxide, zinc oxide, and they work by scattering the UV light particles, whereas a chemical sunscreen um, will absorb that UV light. So um, it so a physical blocker literally is just like a layer on top of the skin that stops it from getting through and scatters the light, um, whereas the other ones absorb the sun. So um, ultimately, it's whatever works best. The best sunscreen is the one that you're going to use. And yeah. um, oftentimes, it's just a matter of trial and error, just trying a bunch of different ones and seeing which you prefer. Some people um, find that the, um, the chemical, sorry, the physical blockers give you that white cast. So, and I know that's not so much that, you know. Um, it's like the cricket players. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> They've always got like, yes. a, why do they do that? Yeah. That's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so people, often people will avoid. Whites. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> often, the, often people will avoid the physical blockers because of that white cast. Um, but if you have sensitive skin, then a physical pl- blocker is going to be better suited to your skin. So um, you're going to tolerate it better. So um, it really is. It's just a matter of trial and error, seeing what works best and, yeah. And so we've got, like, you know, um, all these different factors that you can buy and um, most of the time people are using SPF 50. But there was a time um, when you would have, like, you'd buy, I don't know if you can even buy it anymore, especially in, we would go to, like, you know, the south of France or something and everyone would buy this sort of, like, Hawaiian tropic oil factor two. (laughs) to fry yourself <laughs> and um obviously that's definitely not okay anymore um but to a dermatologist. <laughs> i know i know but i'm being honest i didn't buy it i would i would, other people. I would just use I would other buy, people's <laughs> no i would buy a factor 15 though and that was like for me i thought that was pretty good um so but but what why do we even why do we even sort of regulate SPFs of a certain factor if really the the sort of rules around it should be that you should use factor 50? Yeah, look, it's um, I think it's to do with the regulation process in Australia and it's just very, very strict, very tough. Um, and so, you know, it could be that someone's come forward with, I think this is SPF 50 and then it's gone through that testing process and then it comes out the end as SPF 30. So... Um, Ultimately, it's just their kind of, um, I think it's just the results from their testing process. And people might ultimately, when you're looking at SPF, um, so when you're testing it, um, you look at the amount of time it takes for redness to appear on the skin compared to when no product is used at all. So when you're using an SPF 30 product, if it's applied correctly, it should take 30 times longer to burn. For SPF 50, it's 50 times longer to burn. In real life, when you're applying sunscreen, most people don't apply the amount that we're supposed to. So, you know, you're meant to have um, like 
half a teaspoon for the face and you know people often don't use that quantity so I always advise use of a 50 plus sunscreen because potentially by the time it's been applied you're down to 30 anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay yeah that's a good point Yeah, because also I think sometimes well, my kids say I put way too much on them. And maybe I do, it's but I it probably means it's enough. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, I mean, they're just like, ah, oh, it's disgusting. I feel horrible. And I'm like, you're having it all. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so probably a good thing. You're probably using yeah. enough. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. Um, and in terms of, obviously, we've talked about SPF. We've talked about all of these things with skin cancers and everything else. And um, when it comes to other skin conditions that you look after, I mean, especially acne and all of those um, types of really problematic skin conditions, what would your advice be in terms of somebody who's really suffering from that? Oh, look, if you're suffering, then you're always better off to see it a doctor, see a GP, see a dermatologist. Um, if you're looking for, if you wanted to have a crack at it yourself, um, I guess you would look for products that contain things like salicylic acid, which are able mm -hmm. to get into the pores and clear them out um, and just get rid of all of that oily um, and dead skin buildup. Um, using things that can turn the skin over a little bit quicker, so things like retinols um, can be like bought over the counter. Benzoyl peroxide's a good ingredient as well. That's antibacterial. Um, so, you know, you might just want to, I'd probably start by just simplifying your skincare regime in general. So mm -hmm. you would just want a cleanser that contained salicylic acid, for example, morning and night, um, Make sure, making sure you're doing a double cleanse at night. Um, you might use just your sunscreen after that in the mornings and then at night time, choosing a type of treatment cream. So something containing benzoyl peroxide or something like that as a treatment cream and then maybe an oil-free non-comedogenic moisturiser over the top. So And mm. stick with it for 6 to 12 mm -hmm. weeks. It does take a while for these things to have an effect. Um, but if you're not getting anywhere, if you're struggling, if it's getting you down, definitely worthwhile seeing a doctor about it. Yeah. That makes sense. See a GP and get a referral to a dermatologist yeah. like you. Yeah. <laughs> and Shreya, so I, I think I have to, I think I could speak on behalf of us. You have such spectacular skin. <laughs> like, because we can see you on the video. Yeah, our listeners, too. our listeners Thank can't you. see this, but you've got amazing <laughs> skin. So for everyone else who's got normal skin or, you know, skin that they're really happy with, how do you, what do you need to do to take it to the next level? Yeah. So look, everyone's skin is different. And this is my, my number one thing is that skincare is not one size fits all. You've got to tailor it according to your um, skin type. So like I said, always starting with your foundations, um, cleanser, moisturizer, sunscreen, morning and night. Well, not your sunscreen at night time, but you know. Um, so just having, you know, really nice basic products like that and then adding in things according to what you're after so um, I love vitamin c in the mornings I find it to be a really effective um, you know ingredient to use so um, it's an antioxidant it's going to work with your sunscreen and make it more effective um, it's going to help to brighten the skin it'll help a bit with pigmentation so um, that's definitely I often recommend vitamin c and then at night time you know a retinol or a retinoid um, which again is going to, it's the retinols and retinoids have the most evidence around anti-aging. So um, after sunscreen, they're the next best thing. And um, when you think of, you know, a child's skin 
takes 14 days for it to turn over and um, get a new layer. And as we get older, it takes longer and longer for that process. So the retinol mm -hmm. is essentially just speeding up that process and leaving you with baby skin. <laughs> oh, I love that. These are things I didn't know. Yeah. And it's so Species funny. I've retinol. got to tell you the story very quickly. There was, um, there's a, so I won't, I won't tell you his name, but somebody we worked with at Mecca who had been given some retinol product and, and he looks oh. so young <laughs> and it blew my mind when he told me that he was actually 50. And oh. I swear it's the retinol. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No one, no one believes him. <laughs> no one believes him. Oh, and there you go. That's him. why. Yeah. The secret. It's a retinol. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's also no point in spending all this money and time on skincare if you don't use SPF. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it's got to be just part of your everyday routine. First thing that you do in the morning and uh, remember to reapply it as well. So um, it does start to kind of lose its effect after a few hours. And that's mostly because it starts to not necessarily break down, but the skin is dynamic, it's oily, mm -hmm. we sweat. Um, if you were to go swimming and, you know, towel dry yourself, all of those things can kind of contribute to um, SPF losing its effectiveness. So um, always remember to reapply it kind of every two to do three you, hours. Do you have any favourite products from Mecca, whether it's skincare or is any of our SPF or beauty for makeup products? To save face is obviously classic oh, yes I'm glad you said that one classic <laughs> it is yeah um and I, I'm not just saying this because I know that you're interviewing them but I've been really <laughs> I really want to try the Naked Sundays one because I think mm -hmm. that the spray sunscreen would be um like really helpful in terms of reapplication and things like that so yeah um, that's something that I'd definitely like to try and um, it's love it's a really lovely product yeah. and I think what's so great about it is that and we were just talking to Sam earlier was the um the fact that actually it's it's the things that we get stressed about you know you've put your makeup on exactly. you've done your, you don't need to you don't want to reapply no. so that means you've got to, how yeah. are you going to start again yeah so that really helps yeah. with that yeah. problem issue. Yeah. I'm quite diligent with sunscreen, as we were talking about before, Kate, but I very rarely <laughs> like reapply. Sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> a dynamic. But I, I rarely reapply because it is hard. It, it's annoying. Yes. You're like out and you just can't be bothered. So I think, yeah, the spray is so compelling for that. Yes. Yeah. So um, I'm always keeping my eye out for um, products like that, which because, yeah, most people can do it in the mornings, but it's that reapplication that. But I do have to say as well, um, sunscreen's not going to be your only protector. Do you know what I mean? You've got to kind of, can't I, just I wear a that. hat in the pool, you know, I did buy a rashi. It's not that, it's not that fashionable, but. There's nice <laughs> rashies out now. Yeah. There's more nicer rashies yeah. out now. I mean. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, the kids are always, um, you know, covered in their rashies and, you know, long sleeve everything. Um and you know wearing your sunglasses and all of that it all it all helps no I think it's really it's a really good discussion to have and and you know I think um when you are sort of new to this side of the world you do feel the heat and it yes. is a different heat and it is totally. a different strength of sun yeah yes and even if you think you know a lot about sunscreen and you're diligent about it there's always so much more and so much more information out there and so much more diligence that we have to take yes yeah, no, definitely. I'm very passionate about it because I see the other side. You see the effects. Yeah. You see the uh, the end of the road yeah. kind of effects, don't exactly. you? Where you're, you're having to, you know, help people who are in dire situations. 
Well, thank you, Shreya. That was so fascinating. It was really, really interesting. All righty. It was nice to chat, guys. Thank you so much, Shreya. Pleasure. Bye. See you. Thank you, Sam, for joining us today. We are so delighted to have you here and what a hot topic it is with your brand and also the time of year we're in with this gorgeous weather and, and talking about SPF. And so we're we're very thankful that you joined us remotely um, from your daughter's bedroom. How are you today? <laughs> I'm hot. <laughs> when you said hot, I thought, yes, I'm very hot. Um, and it's definitely a good time for SPF, as you said. Um, and I'm just so grateful to be here too. I love your podcast. And I find the stories really inspiring. And I'm not quite sure who's really listening here. Is it the people who love beauty products? Is it the people who love business and, and want to get into the business? So I noticed that you guys broach all the different topics, which that's what I love because you can always walk away with not only beauty and skincare tips, but also business tips and then be inspired as well. I think if people are listening and they have an idea, you know, I just had an idea and I just went for it. I think if people are listening, I hope they'll take away, you know, anything is possible. And do you know what? That's such a good sort of reflection because I think the people who listen to this podcast love that mix. You get that real expert knowledge, which we're going to drill into a little bit with you about SPF, about your brand and about the reasons behind kind of going after it. But also the fact that you had, a, well, you still have this amazing career in television and broadcasting. And you, as Zara was talking about just before we went live, you just decided to start an, an incredible brand on top of the day job and whilst you're a mom and just like powerhouse and that's super inspiring for people because sometimes as you say it's about taking one idea and going for it and having the courage to go for it so I think people love the the motivation the inspiration but also that real scientific expert knowledge so um, we're gonna pull apart all of those topics today I think. So Sam the idea how did it start and how do you take an idea from just an idea to an actual business? Yes. So um, I'm a news reporter. I've been a news reporter my whole life. I finished school the next day I went to do work experience at a newsroom and I went out on the road and I loved being on the road and outdoors and researching stories and interviewing people and hearing people's stories. And after doing that for many, many years, most recently um, I was on Sunrise, so I'd get up in the morning at 3.30 a.m. <laughs> My beauty wow. routine had to be extremely simple, yeah. and yet I had to have a full face of makeup, lashes, contouring the whole world. TV makeup. <laughs> TV makeup, but also skin sun protection because you're out in the sun and you don't know where you're going to be. So I was in bushfires and floods and... Um, criminal court cases, it, you, you don't know where you're going to end up for the day and it changes so quickly. So you need your whole makeup and skincare kit with you. You need stuff that works, that's simple, easy to use and quick and effective, of course. So I've, I've been doing this for so many years, I won't give away my age, but it's almost <laughs> two decades. And I love absolutely love doing that and I started to notice that more and more of my colleagues were having to get skin cancers cut out of their faces right. and of course wow. when you're in tv it's very obvious and you know people had these big scars across their faces and it started getting me thinking more and more about when I got ready at 3 30 in the morning oh gosh I'm gonna have to put on sunscreen under my makeup right now 
but that's not going to give me white cast or flashback or make my skin greasy. That's going to last me all day. But then more importantly, when I'm out and about and it's midday and it's 2 p.m. and there'd be times where there'd be like, um, you know, something happened out at a beach or you, you don't know where you're going to end up, but you're always going to be in the blazing sun. And so I just was thinking to myself, there's just no way to top up SPF. No wonder all these people are really suffering mm. from our job, which is outdoors. And it can't only be news reporters that are feeling the same way. So I started speaking to other women and saying to them, you know, when you're at work and you go out and get a coffee, do you think about sun cream? And they would say, of course, I, I think about it, but I don't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. I put it on in the morning if I remember, but it's not fun and it smells and it's sticky and it's white. And then in the after, by the afternoon, I'm going to get my coffee. I'm, go I'm walking home from work and it doesn't even cross my mind. I think, oh, I'm in the sun. Oh, well. And we live in this culture where there's such a focus on reversing the signs of aging. So having expensive procedures and invasive procedures and, you know, we all want to get rid of our lines and our wrinkles and our spots and there's just all these things that these people are doing and it's getting younger and younger. So you've got millennials now who are thinking, oh gosh, I've got to do something with my skin and fix everything. And I thought, hang on a second, isn't there like a really simple, cheap way to prevent all this? Sunscreen? And yet it's, it comes with such connotations, doesn't it? You think, oh, yeah. sunscreen. It is. You it's know. one of those things, even you probably find it with your children as well, when you're like, right, we've got to put sunscreen on. And they're like, oh, and you have to chase them around the kitchen until you get hold of them. And, you know, I think it, you, even as an adult, you're like, it feels, it feels like, and it shouldn't feel like some, it's a chore and it shouldn't be. And I think what is so great about your product is that you can, it, you've made it into this amazing moisturizer formulation as well. So actually you can put it on as your skincare regime rather than your sun care regime. And I think that is something for me as a busy working mother makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly right. So I thought, well, you know, of course, you're going to make something that yourself would use. So I thought, okay, 3.30 in the morning, I don't want to put on moisturizer, a sunscreen, a primer, and a collagen booster, and a serum. So I'm just going to make one thing that will do all those things and can sit well under my makeup. And then what really got me thinking was, well, how do you top up during the day? And so I thought, how great would it be to have a spray sunscreen? And so I went out there um, and I spoke to formulators and chemists and they're like, oh, yes, a spray. Here's some samples and they were white and sticky mm -hmm. and they would get in your eyes and they were just terrible. And I said, no, I want something that's clear, like a beautiful water spray, but with SPF in it and hyaluronic acid and, and vitamin C and all these antioxidants because I want it to also be good for your skin. And I want it to be a setting spray so that it looks really good over your makeup. <laughs> It's like and a, formulators. That's yeah. an amazing, uh, amazing wish list. And I think people don't realize how hard it is to formulate sunscreen, especially in Australia, because we're so strict here as well. So what was it like to go to these factories and formulators? And hold on, where did you go? Yeah, like, I mean, where did you, you start? You go to Google and you type <laughs> in um, sunscreen spray and then out pops, as I mentioned, all the white sticky sprays. And then I you have to go to a TGA approved factory, as you guys were saying. And I went to every single one that I could find. I went to ones in the US, all over the world. But as you guys know, Australia has the strictest TGA regulations and sunscreen regulations in the world. So if a factory is TGA regulated, 
then they're more able to be um, above the rules in Australia. And that is a worldwide standard. And everyone knows that Australia has the highest standards. And so I just went through so many iterations, probably over a dozen. And this took me from um, 2019 right to the middle of COVID. And so here I was reporting every day on Sunrise about the rising numbers and the cases and the dangers And then I would come home and just be able to have this beautiful, fun world of like sunscreen and skincare. And it was such a nice distraction to be able to formulate it. So it gave me that motivation thinking there's such doom and gloom out there. And here's such a fun, powerful, positive Mm -hmm. thing that I'm doing. I'm going to carry on. I'm going to carry on until I find something. (laughs) And eventually, I remember so clearly, so it was the end of um, 2020 and I said, all right, let's launch, you know, February 1st, gosh, just 2021. We haven't even been around for that long. So it's only been a year, almost our anniversary. And so we, I said, I'll launch February 1st. And quite weirdly, I had sent it out to maybe five influencers that I knew. And one of them posted something up on their Instagram. And suddenly I, I didn't realize they'd posted and I had probably 150 messages going, oh my God, I need this now. Like, I need this. Where is it now? I need it (laughs) now. Can you send it to me? And I was like, need what? (laughs) Um, And they're like, this spray, this spray that you can wear over your makeup, that you can top up your sunscreen throughout the day. And I realized that it wasn't a nice to have, you know, a lot of skincare is nice to have. It was people felt like they needed this Mm -hmm. and that they'd been searching for it and it didn't exist. And so I was like, oh, geez. Okay. So we ended up launching two weeks early. Um, We ended up launching, yeah, I think it was the 19th of January and um, completely sold out within three weeks. And a brand was born. Naked Sundays was born. So from idea to kind of conception and to sale, how long long was that process? So So I started in 2019 and I went right through and we launched at the beginning of... Um, 2021. So, hmm, I would say a year. Yeah, a full a full year. Yeah. So not only is it convenient, it smells good, it feels good, but it also makes life easier, which I think is, <laughs> which is gets gold star from me. <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, and what I love is um, my husband or my little um, five year old now daughter. When they're running out the house, you just spray them. You just spray their back yeah. or their back of their legs or the back of their arms, and they're like, "Oh, oh, that's that's nice. That's not sticky, yeah. and that smells nice." So suddenly, you know, as you mentioned earlier, going from "I hate sunscreen, don't come near me" to "Oh, that smells nice. Can I have some more?" Yeah. And it's like, "Oh, the light bulb moment of hang on a second. Yes, this is working because people actually want to start using sunscreen." You know how they often say when you come up with a business idea, you should fill a gap. And I think you literally did that. You filled a gap that what people wanted. And so many businesses talk about launching and launch is like the big day. But after launch, you still have to sustain it and keep it going. And it's not it's not as easy as people think. So what was it like when you got this, you know, all these questions and you sold out? Like, how do you how do you keep on going? It was tough. So I forecast for a year and I remember even going to the insurance company and they said, what do you forecast your um, revenue to be for the year? And I said, you know, this is the number is, you know, it's quite a low number. Anyway, we did that in the first day 
by the first month, I'd done my entire year projections. So I had no stock. I had no team. (laughs) It was just me. And so it was a wonderful moment. And I always said to myself, we can either sell none or we can sell out. And I said to myself, there's no pressure. I have an amazing job. Everything's fine. It won't matter either way. And so obviously the latter happened and we sold out. And so now it's like, wow, okay, this is either a small business or it can be something huge. And I thought, well, let's go for it. And so we ended up uh, making more and coming up with more. I I had my whole pipeline ready to go for the year of all the products I wanted to launch. Couldn't afford it in the beginning. So now it's like, okay, maybe I can afford to do one more product. And so we came out with our next product, which um, was our mineral sunscreen and launched on the first day of winter. (laughs) But it completely, not straight away, but it completely has now overtaken everything else. I don't know if you guys have tried it. Yes, yeah, awesome. But blurs, blurs out any sins, any fine lines, <laughs> any spots. It's just, you know, people just say, it feel, you're not allowed to say sunscreen with the TGA regulations. You're not allowed to call them magic. <laughs> but <laughs> this is some sort of magic. It's the closest really thing to la- it. Yeah, yeah so it, it, it's one of those things where you have to try it first. And once you try it, you become, I say, it's, it's, it's addictive and it's got our signature vegan collagen in it. But back to your question. So, you know, then I started looking at, all right, what does a business look like? A business looks like a team, advertising, staff structure, maybe an office, you know, maybe not my kitchen table. Um, and I started slowly building that and building that out. And the best thing that came out of the beginning, and we still focus on that today, is community, is our insane, amazing, engaged, highly engaged community. I've never seen such an engaged community. I say to one of my staff who looks at our social media every day, when I grow up, I want to be the Naked Sunday's Instagram because (laughs) it's got so many friends Yeah, (laughs) and it's so loved. And, you know, you post one thing up and you've suddenly got 200 comments and a thousand likes and people sharing and they're sharing their, their journeys with their sunscreen. So it always comes back for me. I am privileged that I feel like I'm privileged that I'm not from a beauty background. I've had all the knowledge and know-how from working with the best makeup artists in the world and the best beauty, beauty people in the world through my job. But I'm not that background. I don't have a business background. So for me, I don't come from this like, What's going to sell the best? What's going to make the most business sense? I come from it of an emotional point of view. What product do I need? What product do I want to create? And how do I want to be part of a community? How do I want to be treated if I'm in that community and I love what these people are doing? How do I want to be treated? So we come at it from that angle. So the key in, in this whole year journey so far has been the community. Yeah. And that's number one. And I think that's growing and evolving and that's super exciting because you can use the power of their voices as well, which I think is something that, you know, we see at Mecca as something that we really want our community to be a part of part of the business and the magic. And I think that's super key. And where did you come up with the name? Because obviously Naked Sundays is pretty catchy. Um, And what was the inspiration (laughs) for it? Is it your Sundays are usually naked? (laughs) I love that question. (laughs) I wish. I'm not a super naked person. Um, although after having kids, you just become a naked person yeah. because, you know, you, you your clothes to. don't fit you. <laughs> yes, your clothes don't fit you and you just have to be. But it's more of the, so I always thought that um, 
the sunscreen that I wanted to create, I wanted it to be a celebration of your skin without makeup. So I wanted it to really act as just a beautiful uh, underlying sort of product that you can put on and it makes your face look beautiful and flawless and you don't need all the makeup. So everything that I've put into it, like the vegan collagen or the hyaluronic acid or the watermelon extract, that just really makes your skin look the best it can be without any makeup. So I kind of wanted it to be like the anti-reality TV generation where you don't need all the fillers and the Botox and the expensive procedures. You just need your naked Sundays. So naked and then Sundays. Sundays is that day for me as a news reporter, as an on-air presenter, where it was the one day where I didn't do my hair and makeup, I didn't wear the heels, I just was myself. And so I thought that would embody the product as someone who would feel their best. And then I say our tagline at the, at the beginning was, you know, treat every day like it's a Sunday with your skin. <laughs> so you're looking Love after that. your skin, you're pampering yourself, but you're not doing too much. You're not putting on mm. any, you're not hiding yourself really. And it's yeah. interesting too that you called it its own name rather than calling it, you know, Sam, Sam Brett or Samantha Brett. And one thing I'm fascinated about too is that when you launched your brand, even though you have such an amazing media profile. I remember reading your columns in the newspapers. You've got nine books, you're on TV. You kept your own profile and the brand quite separate and you didn't really reveal yourself to be the founder till till, till you launched at Mecca actually. So what, what <laughs> yes. about, yeah, tell me about that decision. Well, I was obviously so proud to launch at Mecca. I thought, gosh, if I don't tell people it's me, that's just silly. Like, this is my, my, my dream. Like, how did this even happen? So um, I never wanted to create a brand or a product that would be me personally. I think other people do it great, but that would be founder-led. That's not what Naked Sundays is about. Sunscreen is all about efficacy, testing, TGA, regulations. I have the best of the best formulators, arguably in the world, working on Naked Sundays. And it's their, theirs as much as it is mine. It's not me coming out and saying, I've created this and this is me because it's got to be it's got to be so tested and regulated that if I come out and say it's mine, then people might not have taken it seriously. And it worked because people... I was so proud that the brand completely spoke for itself for nine months without the founder, without my name attached to it. Um, you know, everyone knew me, as you say, from my column, from Sunrise, from my books, like I interviewed Meghan Markle. I was all over the world on every breakfast TV show talking about the um, that interview. Um, <laughs> and yet this was something that I thought needs to stand on its own. And I so I did a bit of a test and I thought, look, if it ever needs the founder to speak out about something, that's fine. Obviously then, you know, I, I was launching in Mecca and I thought, oh, it's me, it's yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> what was, I did this. What exactly. was it? You did fan girl yourself. Did you ever have it? Were you ever in like a moment where a friend or someone you'd meet be like, do you know what I love? Naked Sundays. And you'd have to be like, mm-hmm. Yep, they're yeah. great. Would you like, what was that like? <laughs> like so, yeah, yeah. Sec- secretly behind yeah. the scenes. <laughs> So it was hilarious because the Mecca store is right near to my office, of course. <laughs> in convenient. And so, um, conveniently. And so I remember going downstairs and getting a coffee and running into a school friend of mine. And she said, oh, I haven't seen you on TV lately. What are you doing? And I said, oh, you know, I, I just, I started a, 
a beauty brand and she said no it's not pulls out of her bag (laughs) this Naked Sun, it's not this, is it? Because I have just been to this Mecca, to the Bonner Junction Mecca, to the City Mecca. I need another one of these urgently. And they said it's a girl, she's local. It's not you, is it? It's not you. And she and I was like, oh, I've got one upstairs if you want in my office. That's brilliant. <laughs> and it was such a great moment where it was one of those full circle moments where it is someone I know. I didn't tell them that I'd done this. I didn't give them the products. It's not, you know, like, here, to give me a review. It was just a random per- um, purchase that she made, yeah. fell in love with it, didn't know it was me. And I just, I was really proud of that moment. Yeah, it's really authentic. I love yeah. that. It's And with your profile as well, obviously, you've got this amazing, you've, you know, phenomenal media career. And um, you, as you say, you've had such sort of high moments in there and you've done awesome things. Would you use that kind of media profile with your brand to raise awareness to how would you how do you kind of bring those two worlds together? Can you can I have some advice from you? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's a great question. Um, so with being a, a media personality and, um, and and doing what I did for so long, you get to do a lot of great charity work and you get to partner with a lot of great um, charities and, and I host a lot of events and, um, and I really contribute in that way. So I have a lot of great knowledge about how to pull that all together. And we did an amazing campaign last September where we partnered up with the Melanoma Institute, mm-hmm. which I had actually done many stories Um, with them for channel seven because when they come up with new ways to treat skin cancer or to diagnose skin cancer we go there we interview their doctors their nurses they always give us a patient we interview them and you put that on the news and you think to yourself well today was actually worth it it wasn't doom and gloom it was a beautiful positive story about people helping people and so I thought well let me join that into Naked Sundays and so we partnered up with Melanoma Institute we called it give melanoma the cold shoulder. But again, I didn't use myself. I used the community and I said to everyone, all right, today we're giving X percentage of all our sales to the Melanoma Institute with the goal of zero deaths from melanoma by the end of the decade. Everyone needs to pose today with their shoulder, like a cold shoulder. So like a nude little selfie. Um, You know, it's not, it's, it's brand agnostic. Like you don't have to talk about naked Sundays or anything. We just want to put the message out there. Here are the statistics about melanoma, our age bracket, my age bracket, no, (laughs) millennials, but millennials are most at risk. So it's 18 to 35 year olds wearing sunscreen can prevent melanoma by 50% every day. Put the message out there and it was explosive. We did one of our biggest days. We were able to give so much money to the Melanoma Institute and I was so proud of that. And so I feel like there are ways that I am able to mesh and mesh the two yeah. worlds. And it's not necessarily me standing up on a stage preaching about something. Yeah. It's, it's using my connections and what I've learned through the media to really push the message in an innovative and fun. It was so fun that day. Like you should look at the Instagram. We had like the most beautiful girls just posting these stunning, like, um, you know, nude kind of selfies, but like so tasteful and just colorful and just it was just a really special day. That's amazing. And do you find as well um, that you are now you've kind of dipped your naked self into naked Sundays fully um, <laughs> that you this is it for you is do you feel like this is going to be the thing that you do career wise? Because obviously we're talking about the product, but we're also talking about your amazing career. Or are you going to do 
both because like why not because you can do both (laughs) you know it's interesting and I often think about it and I have done a lot Um, my column back in 2006 was incredible it was Sam in the city and it was about dating and relationships and it really hit the zeitgeist at the time that's what everyone was talking about the new dating way we had online and you know it was just text message dating and it was just such a zeitgeist of the time and then I sort of exited myself out of that glamorous world and went into news and hard news and I just love that so much and then I went into female empowerment wrote this beautiful book with my co-author called The Game Changers interviewed Meghan Markle it was just before the explosion so we got Ariana Huffington, Gwyneth Paltrow, um, you know, all these amazing women. I mean, it was just before, you know, that whole everything exploded with the podcast and the books, which is great that it did. But I think that will never happen like it did then. And then with this, I just feel I, I, I think about it often. And even this morning, I think it was something that you mentioned before, um, Kate, where the kids who hate the hate sunscreen. Yeah. And it was just this morning where um my mom came and picked up my daughter and I said, oh, she hasn't got her sunscreen on. And my mom looked at me and she's like, but she hates sunscreen. I'm like, no, 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 I've created something for her yeah. that she loves. And she took it and I won't tell you what it is because it's coming out very soon. Ooh. But she put it on herself. She's five and she just loved it. So like the biggest smile on her face. And that is a know, game. That's a game changer. Uh, it's complete. And I do nothing now where it's not going to be. And the book is called The Game Changers. And I was inspired by that book, honestly. You know, interviewing, I interviewed 100 women. And they just all said, you know, when things are hard, but, you just, but you're helping people, you just keep going. And I looked at my daughter Harper this morning, putting on her sunscreen with the biggest smile. And I thought, I will keep doing this mm-hmm. as long as this happens as long as my husband who's you know always in the sun playing golf with his brother and they've got like spots everywhere and they've had to get things cut out of their backs and you know spraying with the biggest smile on their faces <laughs> protecting themselves and I thought you know as long as this is helping people and I'm being innovative and not a me too kind of copying copy brand but as long as we're doing something different I will continue when I run out of ideas <laughs> and I lose steam um, you know, that's when maybe I'll call it a day. I think even you just talking at your career and your approach was so inspiring, but you've cl- so clearly evolved and really like ahead, been ahead of so many trends as well. And you've also got a really good knack with timing. What is it? Like, how do you have, like, put your finger in the air and be like, this is it. This is the time to do it. <laughs> I actually think you should have a TV show instead of Sunrise, maybe Sunday. <laughs> and like it. Thank you. <laughs> Tell us your secrets. <laughs> exactly. I said, Kate, I need you to help me with this whole joining I do, the help two with worlds the marketing together. of it, exactly. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, when the Sam and the City thing happened and exploded, and so it was the first interactive blog really that Australia had ever seen. So blogs obviously are now massive or were massive and then they went into podcasts and everything, but this was the first. And so people were able to actually chat with each other online about these articles that are right about the modern life of dating and relationships. And once that exploded, it gave me the confidence that when I had a thought to follow through, because once you do that once, you, to get that column, with the City Morning Herald at the time, which was the biggest online newspaper, we only had two really, or even one, it was the only one, was impossible. I was I was 20 years old. I was living in New York. I was working at Fox News as an intern. 
and in the center of New York and I would call back home every day and I'd say, hey guys, I want to write this column for you. And they were like, who are you? And then <laughs> hang up. And that happened every day for literally six months until they were like, all right, you can start tomorrow. Stop calling us. <laughs> but the perseverance that I... I remember feeling like I just felt like it would be cool to do it. It would be fun. Someone's going to do it. Might as well be me. And it worked. And then I thought to myself, all right, anytime I have an idea, no matter how big or small, if I think, and everyone says I'm crazy for wanting to do it, I should still go ahead and do it. Sarah, do you remember when we interviewed um, Jo at the beginning of our podcast series? And she had something similar to say. She was like, you know, we, we were asking her, where did you come up with this idea for Mecca? How did?" And she was just like, I had an idea. I felt that we've got to do beauty in a different way. And I just went for it. And I just sort mm. of had the courage. And I think sometimes like backing yourself when you've got those amazing ideas is, is 50% of the journey. Because I think, you know, hopefully if the ideas are good one as you say if it's something that there is this there is that white space then it's an incredible kind of opportunity you've got to take it and it's okay if it doesn't work I've done so many things that do not work that you guys do not know about and it's okay and 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 don't let it stop you just because the one thing didn't work it might be the next thing that you do I um I wrote a book I think I'm trying to look for it but I think my daughter chucked it out because it's that bad but (laughs) (laughs) that is called um, the magic sunscreen. So when I started thinking about SPF and how I can get the younger generation to start really enjoying wearing sunscreen, I wrote this book called the magic sunscreen and I had it beautifully illustrated and I put up on my Instagram. There was such a great feedback and, but you know, that was a hard sell and it kind of never went anywhere, but I didn't say, okay, that's it. Sunscreen's a dud category. (laughs) Let's forget. You know, I just thought, well, I'm not encouraging in the right way. Maybe I need to actually create the sunscreen (laughs) and then that will help the next generation sort of um, gravitate towards it rather than just the book. You just have to pick yourself up and keep on going. But I think what you're talking about is that that kind of timing you have is something you can't plan for. It just happens. But also when you have an idea, you just have to do it. And there's no magic formula or, you know, secret to the Oh, there is a magic formula. It's the glow mist. (laughs) (laughs) And Sam, you're <laughs> such a huge beauty fan. And we also heard that you're a massive Mecca fan. So now that you're at Mecca, well, you've been at Mecca for some time, what is a couple of Mecca products that you just love? So most recently, I am obsessed with the rosy ink um, cheek tint, which yes. I'm wearing now. Oh my gosh, I love um, that. Which shade do you buy? I have two shades. I have the darker shade and the medium shade. So I don't know what they're called because they're very interesting words. Do you, do you know what the darker shade is? Oh, I can't remember. I've got That's like the, the corally kind of one. They're so I've good. Got both. Yes. Oh, I got, just so, love them. So don't be deterred by the one that looks really dark because I've got it on now and you can see that it just <laughs> comes out rosy, <laughs> but it really Contours. does. So you just, yes, and you just put a tiny bit on. Um, and I've got it on my lips as well. I've got the Kosas um, eyebrow gel. I'm wearing my Ellis Fars foundation. You, you, I, I'm you one of those true, girls who, yeah, a I, true Mecca girl. <laughs> I'm the one who says for every birthday, I just want a Mecca voucher. Just get me the Mecca voucher. I'm obsessed with the Dennis Gross Ferulic Acid range. Yeah. Which completely cleared up my acne. So another thing with Naked Sundays is our sunscreens come with a brush because I felt like when you're touching your face, you're spreading, you know, the bacteria and everything. Let's do a brush that people can use. So, um, but my acne was also helped by the Dennis Gross range. So um, Yeah, I love anyone, that range. 
wants to get amazing. on that. That is just um, amazing. And yeah, I've got the Elemis um, scrub. Um, so as I said, Mecca is purposely <laughs> downstairs from my office. But you know, the thing I love most about Mecca is I did have acne and I did go in and I did say to the girls, what can I do about this congestion? And they did say to me, okay, you need to try this serum and this scrub. And it was very specific. And I, you know, and they're just so, it's so knowledgeable when you go in there, you know, you're in good hands, you know, they're not trying to upsell you. You just know, you just know they're not selling. They're actually helping you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when the choice came to, to stock naked Sundays somewhere, I was thinking, Oh, absolutely, Mecca. But also I was really um I was really grateful for the fact that I know when people go in there and, you know, they may have sensitive skin and the girls will say, Well, then you should use this SPF rather than this SPF mm-hmm. or you should do it this way or you should use the brush or whatever it is. So we know we're in good hands. And that knowledge and that sort of um the education that goes into that with every single brand we stock, I think is so important. And to your point, it's not just about an SPF. There's a you have formulated it in a way that you need people to understand all those specifics so that they can really get the true benefits out of it as well. Well, thank you so much. We've loved having you on today. It's a joy to be back recording and talking about Naked Sundays and talking about your incredible career. So thank you for being so open and sharing everything with us today, Sam. Thank you, Zara and Kate. It was so fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mecca Talks. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your favourite podcast app and you'll be notified as soon as our next episode becomes available. Don't forget to rate, review, and share this episode with your friends. To stay up to date on what's going on in the Mechaverse, find us on Instagram at at Mechabeauty, or join the conversation in our Mecha Chit Chat Facebook group. You've been listening to Mecha Talks. Thank you for joining us. And I'm on the roll.